In Navajo culture, a skinwalker, or in the Navajo language, yi naldushi, I think is how you pronounce it, uh, it's a type of harmful witch that can shapeshift or possess or otherwise disguise itself as an animal. Um, and it's very particular that it's uh, like a somebody who's harmful. It's, uh, they're never used to describe, that word's never used to describe healers. Um, but the word itself uh, translates to by means of it, it goes on all fours. And from my reading, they're all witches. Um, and it, it's the complete antithesis to Navajo culture and morals. So they do have healers or cultural workers, and those are known as medicine men or women, but the witches are seen as evil and they perform bad rituals or manipulative magic, exactly the opposite of the good stuff that the medicine men do. And a Wendigo is a malevolent spirit, so not necessarily a physical witch, but it's sometimes depicted as a creature with human characteristics and it possesses human beings it's said to make people feel feelings of insatiable hunger so you're starving all of the time um, or greed and uh, makes people have the desire to cannibalize other people and uh, they have the propensity to commit murder and uh, otherwise do unspeakable things to their their fellow tribes people but some representations of the wendigo is described as a giant humanoid with a heart of ice and is really stinky and uh if you encounter one you might get a like an odd chill if it's coming towards you and then i think you're doing the not deer yeah so in addition to all that Lurking in the Appalachian woods, we have an entity that appears harmless and familiar at first glance, but it soon reveals itself to be something else unnerving. So the not deer are exactly what the name implies. It's something like a deer, but just not quite right. This is Country, Country Roads, Roads Creeps. Creeps. Take it away. Thank you. You're welcome. I've been trying to go slower because if I talk too fast while I'm trying to like formulate and also read my terrible notes, then I'll I'll just completely fall apart. <laughs> you're you're okay. You're doing great. I don't want to redo the the intro like four times. Um, anyway, if you love the show, leave a five star review on your preferred podcasting platform, and like and share our posts. And speaking of that, uh, we actually got a bunch of new followers. On oh, good. Our Instagram page. That's like, awesome. I don't know how many. It was a lot. It was like, we don't have that many already, but it was like 20 new ones since the last episode came out. That's a really big jump. So, thank you, new followers. Yeah. So, I was like, I keep getting notifications from that. And usually, like, your Instagram notifications are like, hey, check out these reels from whoever. It's like, I don't care about this. Right. But all the notifications I've been getting recently are like new people following. And so 
That's very um, exciting. So if you're here and you've followed in the last week or so, thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. So it's been uh, it's been fun. Now, you have anything to say before we get into it? Um, this is our last week of the October Cryptid Extravaganza. It's almost Halloween. So thanks for listening this month. It's been fun. Yeah, it has been fun. It's been a busy recording schedule. Yeah, it has. <laughs> Especially the last couple of weeks, we did an episode, and then we did the Friday the 13th, and then we did another episode like two days later. Yeah. And so it was just a lot of stuff all at once. Yeah, so we'll still have an episode come out next week to begin November, but then we're going to slow back down a little bit and go back to our every other week schedule. Yeah, I meant to put in here about that and i totally forgot that's okay I, we talked about what we were going to do i think we're going to yeah, do we'll be taking a little bit of a break around the holidays but yeah. you'll still have episodes coming um the uh that's why we're going to do one for the first of november because the way it mm-hmm. maths out there'll be one that comes out before thanksgiving and then we'll take a break for that period come back in december and then there'll be a break during christmas um, and christmas yeah yeah so it'll be good um and then we'll come back like second-ish week of uh, January, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I'm doing Skinwalkers and Wendigos. And I'm doing Not Deer. Not Deer, yeah. Um, we, so this is something that's like kind of close to us because like the Not Deer is like a thing that's specifically... In Appalachia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting, but um, albeit like all three of them... We're lumping them into one episode, but they're all totally separate. Yeah, and, and we want to make those distinctions that these are not the same things. Yeah. There's so. definitely three separate topics here. Yeah, and like I said in the intro, the, the skinwalker in Navajo culture is, is a harmful witch, is what right. they describe it as. So it's an actual person that does dark magic. And in... The other native culture is like Wendigo. It's a spirit that possesses people. Mm-hmm. So it's a total, it's a it's the very different distinction there. Yeah. Um, but uh, I just want to point out before I actually get into all the information, I'm going to be completely omitting all of the information on Skinwalker Ranch. We can do another episode on it in the future if there's interest in that. Um, I'm just putting that out there. I'm not talking about it Okay. <laughs> um, in case somebody's like, you are talking about skinwalkers. You didn't do skinwalker ranch. That's going to be separate. Maybe <laughs> skinwalker ranch has almost nothing to do with actual skinwalkers <laughs> and almost everything to do with being a fake UFO tourist. attraction. <laughs> so I'm putting it here just, and people just can argue that about that. Way. <laughs> so somebody would be like skinwalker ranch is real. No, it's not. You know how we know it's real? Because History Channel has done like 18 documentaries on it and hasn't caught a single thing. <laughs> so, uh, also, also, the Skinwalkers and Wendigos don't necessarily have horns or antlers. I know they're depicted that way usually. And the pictures that I used today and that I'm probably going to use in the photo dump when the episode comes out, some of them have horns. The not deer have horns. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're like, 
just because there's pictures of it or like whatever TikTok you're watching has a picture of a skinwalker with horns or a wendigo with horns, it that's not that. Okay. Um, if they shapeshift into a deer, cool. And we'll get into it. And I'm sure you have more information on that too. They're not described with horns ever. So just also putting that out in front. But anyway, here we go. Information time. Um, so like I said, skinwalkers, they're witches and they're totally the antithesis of medicine men. However, the medicine men actually do learn about evil magic as well as the good rituals that they can do. And that's specifically so that they can better protect against the evil magic and learn how to manipulate that. Um, but there are people who choose to become witches and those people are seen as being corrupt in Navajo culture. And they're the Navajo are generally reluctant to talk about skinwalkers. Um, and really any kind of like bad spirits or anything really like culturally bad. Um, and the reason for that is there's kind of a lack of cultural context for people that are outside of their culture. Um, and also... There, it's believed that if you talk about this stuff, you'll invite bad energy in, which it not talking about it kind of leads to some misunderstandings in, in addition to not having the cultural context that right. might be needed to understand really what they're talking about. So you get a lot of misunderstandings and a lot of misinformation about that, as well as non-Navajo people butchering stories in the media like the books and movies and right. tv and stuff so actually there's a lady called uh her name's adrian keen she's a cherokee nation academic and she's the founder of the native appropriations website and she kind of flames people out all the time for using native legends in non-native media as she should um especially when it's done incorrectly yeah and so i have a quote from her she says when people use these legends incorrectly in, and they're non-natives and they're using native legends incorrectly, uh, she says, we as native people are now opened up to a barrage of questions about these beliefs and traditions, but these are not things that need or should be discussed by outsiders at all. I'm sorry if that seems unfair, but that's how our cultures survive. Um, so widespread belief in the tribal custom um, like I said, kind of warns that if you talk about this stuff, you're going to invite bad luck and bad spirits to your to your home, or just attract it to yourself. So, um, or it'll make your encounters with them more likely. So that's one reason that they would be hesitant as well. Um, and the non-native interpretations of skinwalkers typically take the form of like partial encounter stories, like on the roads, like driving or right. hiking or something. And the, the heroes of the story, like whoever's involved are temporarily in danger, but they escape and not in really a way that is ever seen in Navajo stories, actual native stories. Um, the, some of the Navajo children actually take the European folk stories and substitute skinwalkers for, generic killers like the hook or whatever so 
or at least the hook was one of the examples that I saw, which is like <laughs> he has a hook hand and he kills people in their car, like <laughs> one lover's lane and yeah, kills the and they're like it's skinwalkers. So mm. anyway, uh, there's certain animals that are associated with witchcraft, and those are usually like the trickster kind of animals, uh, like coyotes, wolves, foxes, eagles, owls, or crows, and those animals aren't to be trusted. So. Uh, some of the Navajo believe that the skinwalkers have the ability to steal the face of people. That's scary. It's so that it, I guess that means that they can disguise themselves as another person. But if you word it as stealing your face, that sounds a lot more menacing. Oh, like they just come and take it from you. Yeah, gross. Um, some people believe that if some if if you ever lock eyes with a skinwalker they can absorb themselves into somebody's body or that your body might freeze up with fear and that allows the skinwalker to channel power and gain control over you. So, um, they can also include like other kind of creatures that just represent like bad omens or like bad energy or like, you know, just, all around bad in general kind of stuff. Um, so they can possess living animals or people and just walk around in their bodies. Hence, that's so walker, scary. I guess. Yeah. And they can be male or female. Mm-hmm. So you could imagine like Hannah might be a skinwalker right now. Don't I would say never know. That. Um, skinwalkers can transform into any animal. But it first has to wear the pelt of an animal in order to like properly transform. Um, and th- there's similar lore that can be found in cultures all over the world. Um, and that sort of gives like an odd credence to some of the legends. Like if everyone's talking about it, then it, there must be something there that makes people believe that when it's, when it's brought up into like all kinds of different cultures. Um, and so, because it's believed that skinwalkers wear the skins of animals they transform into, it's considered taboo to wear the pelt of uh, certain animals. Uh, some of them believe it's any animal. You're not really, there's like particular animals like deer skins or leather, certain ones you can wear. Anything else is taboo. But there's other things that say it's predatory animals only or it's. Certain, like the trickster animals, like coyotes or wolves. Right. Because um, if you're wearing those, people would think that maybe you're like trying to become one or that you are one, or it's just you just don't do it because that's what skinwalkers do. Yes. But also, like, I think that if you wear the skin of predatory animals, that maybe it's considered like you're going to have bad energy. And if you wear the skin of this animal, then you're going to get some kind of predatory energy from it. Now, it's I should also put in here, we're too, like, uh, like I don't know. I just uh, The only word I can think of is like Joey Diaz saying like Gentiles. <laughs> like, he's like, you know, the Gentiles, there's a thing with the peanut allergy. But like, we're just two people that don't know anything about native culture talking about this when... Also, we're not supposed to. Right, we are definitely not the authority on this. This is exactly why, like, I think I get into this a little bit later, that 
I'm not including any like the Reddit stories or like the TikTok stories or whatever, because almost all of them are just non-native people that are telling these stories and they're making media out of this stuff and not really having an understanding. And the point of this of like episode, the cultural significance of it, right? And so the purpose of this episode isn't really to tell the stories; it's to be informative yeah, as far get, as we have learned. Yeah, as much as. I can like possibly inform somebody on the stuff. So, which to be fair, like as somebody that doesn't understand the cultural significance or like the cultural back history of this might not be a whole lot. So there we go. (laughs) Um, Good disclaimer. Anyway, the, uh, the, like I said, there's some of them only will wear certain animal skins and the Navajo are, only known to wear two hides, sheepskin and buckskin, both of which are used for ceremonial purposes. So, skinwalkers, if they're in a human form, will exhibit like alien kind of behavior. And the the thing that comes to mind is like the previous episode on Men in Black, where they're or like Black Eyed Kids, where they're it looks human, it definitely acts kind of human, but there's it's weird. There's something wrong about it. So. Um, they'll be quiet, uh, distant, and it looks like they're, they seem uncomfortable in the skin that they are. Um, they might also be confused and they'll completely disregard all of the customs that the tribe has or any of the morals that they have. Um, in some myths, skinwalkers have extra powers like telepathy or voice mimicking or creating a poisonous, disease-ridden magic powder called the Magical Eye, which is like pocket sand, I guess, from King of the Hill. <laughs> what? Like, you know, where uh-uh. I think it's Dale Gribble pulls out out of his pocket, he's like, pocket sand, and he blinds people. Oh, that's funny. Um, some can't actually f- transform fully into the animal form, so they'll have some kind of like deformity, like oversized parts, like their feet are oversized or their hands. They'll have like an awkward walk, or they're clumsy, um, and that can be kind of the tell for a skinwalker because something ain't right. So this is where you hear the stories of like coyote or deer walking on two legs or some deformed deer running around, which I'm sure you're going to speak on a little bit more with right. the not deer stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some legends for you. Um, one legend that I found, there's a shaman. Um, and in the shaman's past life, it committed some kind of heinous crime, like murdering its entire family as a rite of passage to absorb their souls. Because of this, it can transform into any animal or person they please. Although transforming into people isn't really like a common occurrence in some of these legends. Um, and they say it can be really difficult. So they can also mimic any of the voices to lure unsuspecting victims. Into the woods, I guess. So, there's some people who have described their encounters uh, of, like, something, quote-unquote, some kind of animal peering into the window or banging or knocking on the walls or windows. Um, Those who do track down a skinwalker and learn of its true identity must pronounce the name of that evil person in full. And once that happens, a skinwalker will get sick or die for the wrongs that they've inflicted against others. 
So if you say its full name. Would that be like its human name that it went by before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Um, so there's a few different ways to kill one. Um, <laughs> says, uh, they can, they can simplify it down to like just saying the name, like I said, um, and that kind of robs it of its power. But they say that if you accuse it in public while it's in human form, it's normal, like shaman form or whatever, it'll rob it of its power as well and it'll die in three days. Um, it could also be like a really long, really involved ritual to do so. Um, so they say that they're reportedly near impossible to kill. And some traditions say that a bullet, a knife, or a spear dipped in white ash might, might, maybe, possibility, be able to kill a skinwalker. I want more, um... More assurance? Definite, yeah, more assurance. (laughs) There is, I've found on one website there is actually a witch trial of sorts. Um, and I'm just going to read an excerpt from this article. It's from Legends of America. Um, this was, they say, this was most apparent with the Navajo Witch Purge of 1878. It initially evolved from a cultural response to so many people moving across and onto their lands. And after a series of wars with the U.S. Army, the Navajo were expelled from their land and forced to march to the Bosque Redondo. That's uh, Fort Sumner in New Mexico. And that's what's now known as the Long Walk of the Navajo in 1864. And there, the people suffered from bad water, failing crops, illness, death, and that reduced their numbers dramatically. After four years, the government finally admitted they had made a mistake, and the Navajo were allowed to return to their homeland in the Four Corners area. During these years, many of the tribe's members were said to have turned to shape-shifting to escape the terrible conditions, but in the meantime, the rest of the tribe was convinced that their gods had deserted them. Once the people had returned to their homeland, their conditions improved, but the dreaded skinwalkers, who they blamed for their years on the bleak reservation, were still among them. Accusations of witchcraft and the hunting of skinwalkers began when someone found a collection of witch artifacts wrapped in a copy of the Treaty of 1868 the tribal members unleashed deadly consequences. The Navajo Witch Purge occurred in 1878, in which 40 suspected Navajo witches were killed to restore harmony and balance to the tribe. So, they have their own witch trials. That's really sad. Um, most of the sightings today uh, of the witches don't include like death or injury really but they're mostly like trickster kind of style um and just to be clear before i get into wendigos because this sort of bridges us in there's kind of another theory on what a skinwalker actually is um it's tied up in the creation myths and it states that when skinwalkers were in the beginning skinwalkers were the helpers of whoever the divine beings are and in the navajo stories the it's called the Nagloshi, I believe is how you pronounce it. And they're agents for the holy people. And when they were first training humans in the blessing way, Nagloshi were supposed supposed to abandon the mortal world with the holy people. But 
A few decided to stay behind, and their greed and their desire to stay in the mortal plane corrupted the power that the holy people had given them, and it transformed them into malicious, semi-divine, magical beings. So, some tribes actually differentiate between the Nagaloshi and Skinwalkers, and the former Native American equivalent of the Fallen Angels um, is what, like, these these Nagloshi are. So it's like the, I guess that's like the Christian equivalent. Mm-hmm. That's what, all of these ones that stay behind, that's like their, their equivalent in what we would know as fallen angels. Okay. But the skinwalkers are, if you're using the word skinwalker, refers to a mortal who practices dark magic. Right. So, they're, um, there is a beast in Maya tradition called the Huai Chivo, and it's a half-man, half-beast creature with burning red eyes, and it's specific to Yucatan Peninsula, and it's supposed to be an evil sorcerer who can transform himself into a supernatural animal, and that's usually a goat or a dog or a deer, and it preys upon livestock. So, um, in recent times, that's been turned into what the chupacabras are. There's a, a Mesoamerican folk religion um, that calls this kind of creature a nogwal, um, or at least like their, their closest ancestor to a skinwalker, I guess. Maybe not ancestor is the right word. But they call it a nogwal. Um, I remember hearing about this in like elementary school. We talked about like... Really? Yeah, like South American... Kind of like ancient stuff. That's cool. They said this is the Nagwal is a human who has the power to shape shift into their whoever their tonal animal counterpart is. So Nagwalism is tied to the belief that someone can access power and spiritual insight by connecting with that animal, like their spirit animal, I guess, um, and use those powers for good or evil, pretty much based on what their mood is. Like. <laughs> Whatever they desire, whatever their personality is, right. <laughs> they can use their animal for good or evil. And the other thing I want to mention is the, the Therian Thropy. That's like the worldwide mythological ability or could be an affliction, a sickness for people to metamorphize into animals or human-animal hybrids. And there's some cave drawings that were found at Le Trois Freres in France that depict those ancient beliefs that people can transform into animals. Um, and the best form of that is lycanthropy, which is werewolves. But I didn't actually know that there were other forms of this. I guess from what I read, you can pretty much have any form, like transform into any animal. So mm-hmm. kind of cool, but we're going to Wendigos. So a Wendigo like I said in the beginning, is an evil spirit that originates in the plains and the Great Lakes natives' cultures. Um, and so they're said to be a malevolent spirit as opposed to the skinwalker, which is a human. Again, trying to make that distinction. Um, and some say that it either has human characteristics that possesses human beings and it'll invoke these feelings of 
hunger or greed that can't be you like can't quench the feeling of being hungry or greedy um and they want to cannibalize humans and uh the other representations are of a giant humanoid with a heart of ice a foul stench and as it approaches you'll get a what they call an unseasonable chill so that's interesting it's summertime and you get the chilly bumps so i want to first give you a couple of quotes um this is from Basil H. Johnson. He's an Ojibwe teacher and a scholar from Ontario. And he gives this description of a Wendigo. So I'm just, instead of trying to like, as a non-native, trying to say what it is, this is a guy. Yeah, so, that's a good choice. <laughs> um, he says, the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled tightly over its bones, with its bones pushing out against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from separation of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption. So, what? Two things. Okay. One, that sounds absolutely terrifying. Yes. Two, you love the word gaunt, and you got to use it a couple times just now. I do love the word gaunt. <laughs> That's one of your do favorites. you know why I love the word gaunt? Something about the accent. No. No. I don't well, remember. Or that was a video you sent. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lady on who does like TikTok and uh, Instagram videos. And she's yeah. from Appalachia. I think she's in Kentucky. Yeah, something. that's what I was trying to think of. And she did a video where like aliens visit Appalachia. She's f- so, so people will know her. I can't remember her name at the moment. But she's known for doing like the Appalachian grandpa videos. Yeah. But I love them. I love her so much. I'm going to, whenever you're doing your thing, I'm going to look for her th- her username and okay. make sure that we mention it because she's lovely. But she did one on when aliens visit Appalachia and it's like the church lady who's like, you've got kind of that gaunt look. And it just, <laughs> it just <laughs> cracks me up. Yeah. It just, <laughs> That's funny. Like, you want to try some of this product? It'll clear up some of that gaunt look. <laughs> like that brings joy. That's hilarious. Like, While we're talking about like dialect and, the way those videos sound and stuff. I was listening back to, I want to say our Friday the 13th episode. It might've been a different one, but I said something. No, it was the Black Eyed Kids. I said some, I said paranormal thing and it sounded a lot like paranormal thing on that video. Like a white thing. And I was like, okay, so we talked about, that's probably how the white thing got its name. Mm-hmm. It was just the way it was pronounced. And I was like, oh, yeah. I literally did it in that episode. Yep. I said T-H-A-N-G instead of I. Mm-hmm. Some, fact, this paranormal thing. I made it through <laughs> the entire Men in Black episode without using the word gaunt. <laughs> and I really should have typed it in there somewhere. Yeah. It's just, I just, it's a nice word. It is. It's a good one. Just, it's very descriptive. Yeah, you just have to know what it means, I guess. Because mm-hmm. gaunt is Makes like, a good visual image. Well, yeah. a, a bad image, but it's like really detailed in your head. Yeah. You hear that word and you picture something so, gaunt. 
I'm going to say this again. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton <laughs> recently disinterred from the grave. Yeah, that's scary. Um, so Wendigos also, when it, if they possess somebody, they don't have to lose the human's cognition um, or speech. So they're still like very conscious, very like they can still think for themselves. They can still talk normally. Um, some descriptions of them, they actually will clearly communicate with their victims beforehand and even like threaten them or like pick on them. So that's kind of eerie. Um, there is a folk story that was collected in the early 20th century by Lottie Chickagwal Marsden, who is an ethnographer of the Chippewa of Rama's First Nation, uh, in which a Wendigo also exhibits tool use and an ability to survive partial dismemberment and auto-cannibalism. And so I have a group from that, uh, or a quote from that as well. Um, this says, One time long ago, a big Wendigo stole an Indian boy, but the boy was too thin, so the Wendigo didn't eat him up right away. But he traveled with the Indian boy, waiting for him till he'd get fat. The Wendigo had a knife, and he cut the boy on the hand to see if he was fat enough to eat. But the boy didn't get fat. They traveled too much. One day they came to an Indian village, and the Wendigo sent the boy to the Indian village to get some things for him to eat. He just gave the boy so much time to go there and back. The boy told the Indians that the Wendigo was near them and showed them his hand where the Wendigo cut him to see if he was fat enough to eat. They heard the Wendigo calling the boy. He said to the boy, hurry up, don't tell lies to those Indians. All of these Indians went to where the Wendigo was and cut off his legs. They went back again to see if he was dead, and he wasn't dead. He was eating the juice from the inside of the bones of his legs that were Ew. cut off. Ooh, that's disgusting. The Indians asked the Wendigo if there was any fat on them. He said, you bet there is. I have eaten lots of Indians. No wonder they are fat. The Indians then killed him and cut him to pieces. This was the end of this giant Wendigo. What in the world? He was sucking the marrow out of his own legs. It's really gross. So, uh, in some traditions, humans who were overpowered by greed could turn into Wendigos. And that myth of people turning into it because of their greed or because of some other sin served as kind of, a, I guess, a parable um, that encouraged people to be cooperative and only partake in moderation and to be nice to each other and to not want too much of anything and to, like, really, like, hey, you... <laughs> If you if you don't be good, you're going to turn into a Wendigo. <laughs> so, there's some other sources that say Wendigos were created when a human resorted to cannibalism to survive. And they could also turn into Wendigos by being in contact with a Wendigo for too long. So, there's actual historical accounts that um, are 
It says that they're retroactively diagnosed, which means somebody has looked at this historical account and they have determined that, hey, this is a Wendigo psychosis is what we're calling it. Mm-hmm. And it was caused by this exact thing. Um, and it's been reported that humans came, uh, became possessed by the spirit of a Wendigo after they've been in a situation of needing food and have no other choice but cannibalism. And there's actually a, the, it's the Jesuit relations from 1661. And they reported, this is another quote I'm going to read. Uh, what caused us greater concern was the news that met us upon entering the lake. Namely that the men, uh, deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North sea and to assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming, had met their death the previous winter in a strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report that was given to us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual among the people we were seeking. They are afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger. This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite. Ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily, the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is sole, as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the course of their madness. That's not ideal. Gaunt. <laughs> no, not. Um, but like I said, the this they call it Wendigo psychosis. So if you're a cannibal, then you'll be what the what the native people I guess believe is that you would be consumed with the spirit of a wendigo. But actually it, it could just be a mental disorder that you feel such guilt for eating a, another person that you go crazy. And you have this wendigo psychosis that makes you eat more people and become ravenous and Yeah. And isn't there something about like eating People, like, actually, like, if you eat brains or something, it changes your brain, too. It makes you go crazy. There is... Like a mad cow disease type of deal. There's a disease that actually the... I think it's the cannibals, the New Guinea cannibals. Mm -hmm. um, The Papua, um, right? Those cannibals. Mm -hmm. I think they get some kind of disease from eating other people. Yeah. So... um. I don't know. There, so one of the most famous cases of Wendigo psychosis is from a, so it involves a Plains Cree trapper from Alberta named Swift Runner. So I have some other stuff to read to you. This is during the winter of 1878, which is, that's about the same time that that witch trial was going on. Um, Swift Runner and his family were starving, and his eldest son died. 
25 miles away from emergency food supplies at Hudson's Bay Company Post was Swift Runner butchered and ate his wife and five remaining children. And it says, given that he resorted to cannibalism so near to food supplies, it's 25 miles, he killed and consumed the remains of all those present. It was revealed that Swift Runner was not a case of pure cannibalism as a last resort to avoid starvation, but he had Wendigo psychosis. And he actually eventually confessed and was executed by uh, authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. So that's kind of insane. He didn't even, he was 25 miles away. He could have gone to the store and gotten food. But, but he didn't. But he didn't. There's another pretty well-known case that involves the Wendigo psychosis. That's uh, Jack Fiddler. He's an OG Cree chief and medicine man, and he was known for his powers for defeating the Wendigo. Um, in some cases, he, uh, he killed people that had the Wendigo psychosis, and as a result, this, uh, this happens in 1907, Jack Fiddler and his brother Joseph were arrested by the Canadian authorities for homicide because he was killing these people with Wendigo psychosis. Jack committed suicide, but his brother Joseph was tried and sentenced to life in prison, and he ultimately was given a pardon, but he died three days later in jail before receiving the news of his pardon. Oh, that's bad timing. Yep. So there's actually, um, this kind of goes for both Wendigo and Skinwalkers, but they're in all kinds of different media. Mm -hmm. So Wendigo specifically are all kinds of film and TV. Um, probably the most famous was Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. That was like everywhere, every website yeah. that I looked at. Um, but the most interesting one, would you like to give any kind of guess as to which cartoon features a huh. Wendigo, not Scooby-Doo? I don't know. That's interesting. Is it on Cartoon Network? Mm, I don't know. Oh, okay. It's not a... Go ahead and tell me. My Little Pony. No. Yep. Wendigo... I don't know what channel that would have been on. <laughs> in My Little Pony, Wendigos are a race of ghostly, horse-like creatures that first appear in Season 2 uh, on an episode called Hearth's Warming Eve. They're winter spirits that feed off of the fighting and hatred between other... Uh, horse. Is every character in My Little Pony a horse? I don't know. <laughs> um, and they create blizzards and freezing weather. So. I never would have guessed that. Me neither. That's why I put it in here. That's interesting. Would you like to take any kind of guess as to which U.S. president wrote a book about skinwalkers or Wendigo? I would not like to guess. I know I'll be wrong. Theodore Roosevelt. Huh. Wrote a book in 1893 called The Wilderness Hunter. And it included... Actually, that does track. If anybody was going to do it, it'd probably be him. Yeah. Yeah. What if I told you it was like Donald Trump? <laughs> I don't have my China button or I would... It was like President Obama. <laughs> and he's like, let me be clear. <laughs> Wendigo. And anyway. <laughs> um, so, 1893, he wrote a book called The Wilderness Hunter. It includes a goblin story about a bear-like beast that stalks a camp of two hunters 
and it only leaves one alive to tell the tale. And readers have interpreted Roosevelt's beast as either being a legendary Bigfoot or a Wendigo. That's interesting. Sounds more like a like a Bigfoot, I guess. But anyway, regardless, it's it's in there. Anyway, they're interesting stories. Um, Wendigo and Skinwalker alike. Um, I'm sure you will regale us with the gaunt appearance of a not deer. Gaunt sounds good on the tongue. It's a good. <laughs> sounds nice in the mic. Gaunt. Anyway, um, th- they're good stories. Like I said, I, yeah. I'm not going to cover like the Reddit stories that people have because of the native culture significance of it. Yeah, and a lot of people just like take those two terms and what they think they are to yeah. write a scary story and really, yeah. really just take away, you know, they're very culturally significant and have important meaning um, yeah. that we don't fully understand or know about. Yeah. I So I will say one thing about it is that it's, I understand that it's seen as disrespectful um, for people to write these stories. I do think that um, it would they they could clear up a lot of the misunderstanding of it if they would just tell people about like what it is, yeah. And what is the cultural significance of it, or what is the interpretation? Is it are they is the culture talking about a literal spirit that they believe in, or is it yeah. is it a metaphor for something else that was? of cultural significance back in the mm-hmm. day. And I think that could clear up a lot of like the, well, a lot of the misunderstandings, a lot of the misinformation, definitely because you would have an actual source to go back to and say, no, this is what the, this is what the Navajo religious leaders say. Um, and also it would, it would give people, well, this probably would be a con, I guess, but it would give people something solid to go off of, to do media off of, so that it wasn't as disrespectful, at least. Yeah. Um, I think people are going to make movies and write books and stuff about it regardless, but... I totally get why, like, the Native American people or Navajo people don't want to talk about it, yes. though, if it's the belief that it is brings bad things to you. Yeah. Like, I don't blame them for not wanting to speak about it, you yeah, know? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that does make it kind of more mysterious for outsiders. Yeah, I totally and understand it. So part of that, I guess, it's sort of twofold: is that if it's mysterious, then obviously outsiders are going to want to know about it. But if you say we're not going to tell you about it because there's cultural significance here, mm-hmm. then that makes it like doubly mysterious. Mm-hmm. And so now they're going to want to know about it even more. So now when people do make media about it, like. Adrian Keene said it, it opens up them like there's a barrage of questions that they all mm-hmm. get about this stuff. And we don't want to talk about it because it's going to lead them to us and we're going to have encounters with spiritual beings. Yeah, and it's and going to be harmful to us. You're not going to because it's huh. not your, those spirits aren't attached to your culture. Yeah. But they are ours. I wouldn't want to talk about it either. Yeah. It was going to be dangerous to me. So uh, it's been done to death like the skinwalker thing has um almost all of the stories on reddit are fake anyway like most of them are going to be the creative writing prompts and stuff yeah there was actually one i'm not going to say the name of the podcast because 
one, I don't remember the name and I don't want to like <laughs> accidentally put some podcast on blast mm-hmm. and like we're new to this whole thing. But it's one of the podcasts that like they pull stories and tell them as creepypastas or whatever. And I had to stop listening to them because they said it was a story about like some kind of werewolf slash skinwalker thing. It was like most terrifying skinwalker stories. Anyway, I had to stop listening a long time ago because this episode came out. I listened to it and like halfway through, I was like, that's a pretty good story. Even like it's fake, but pretty good. And then he said, I've flicked the safety off my 38 revolver. 38 revolvers don't have safeties. <laughs> and that's what ruined it for you. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like you couldn't suspend the disbelief at that point. Everyone knows <laughs> that they don't have safeties. Everyone knows. That's so funny. You're listening to a story about paranormal cryptid it's, beings, but that's what ruined it for you. It's literally something that like. It just irks me to no end. Like when that's hilarious. Like there's a scene in a movie where like uh, Bruce Willis is talking about Glocks, and he's like, "They're made out of porcelain. They can go through a metal detector." Both lies. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's not made funny. out of porcelain. There's like uh, like anytime somebody like an officer in a movie pulls up a gun and it's a Glock because all officers carry Glocks, and the safety sound comes off, and it's like Glocks don't have safeties either. Yeah. So every time you pull a gun and it goes click, click, not, it doesn't like, that's not what happens. Or like whenever you hear in a movie, like they empty the, they empty the gun and and they keep going click. All semi-autos don't make that click sound when you keep, it just irks me. It irks me. When, (laughs) when Herschel from the walking dead had the unlimited ammo shotgun. And he's killing zombies? Yeah. I can suspend my belief with that. (laughs) Okay? Because they cut away and he can reload. Okay. Yeah. When John Wick has unlimited ammo. Those movies are so good. Yeah, they're good. John Wick. John Wick. And he reloads and stuff. Yeah. And and actually, he went to Terran Tactical's school of like competition cool guy shooting. Yeah, Keanu Reeves is the best. And he does the... And it's good. Mm Mm-hmm. And also, I saw a thing online, this is totally off the rails now, but I saw a thing online, somebody was like, Dragon's Breath shotgun rounds are something about video games, and they're not real in real life. Yeah, they are. <laughs> the The new movie where he used the Dragon's Breath shotgun rounds, yeah. like, those aren't real. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. They're cool. <laughs> and that throws fire. Anyway, I'm, get back on track. <laughs> no, we're going to, John Wick podcast now. No. <laughs> so... John Wick 5, actually, he kills a skinwalker. Oh, that's good. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, anyway, the last thing I'm going to say is there's a bunch of really cool videos online that are kind of unexplainable. I might try to find some of them and put them in the photo dump, no promises, but some of them, I think, could just be hoaxes or misinterpreted animals or something mm-hmm. like that. Also, the, la- the very last thing before you can do Not Deer is there's a movie called Antlers. Super good. I feel like I might have seen that. That yeah. sounds familiar. Um, this kid, I think it's very metaphorical. Uh-huh. Um, but this kid, his dad is evidently like addicted to methamphetamine, was like cooking and stuff. And then the kid starts drawing in class 
like a Wendigo style creature Mm -hmm. and the teacher is worried about him and he has like a terrible home life. Like she never sees the dad and I'll leave it there. I think I've watched that. It turns out the dad is, has the spirit of a Wendigo. No, oh, I definitely did. Dirk and I watched that a while back. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, Weird. But it's, it's very good. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes very well to, it's one of the, I guess the better cultural references to these kind of stories mm-hmm. that's done by a non-native because it it takes the metaphorical reference from somebody who has this addiction or some insatiable hunger for something and gets the spirit of a Wendigo. And so like either hungry or, you know, ha- has all the greed or is addicted to methamphetamine or... Yeah. And they become, and also you could interpret it as this boy doesn't know what his dad's going through. And so to him, his dad seems like a monster. Anyway, that's, I'm not going to like try to spoil everything. Go watch Antlers. And now Hannah's going to give us Not Deer. <laughs> All right. So transitioning over into Not Deer. So most of the history and the stories of Not Deer have been passed down orally and not been written down, which makes doing research on this a little more difficult. Um, that's further complicated by the fact that the term not deer actually wasn't used online until fairly recently, like 2019 recently. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Now, stories matching this creature's descriptions go way, 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 way back. They just weren't labeled as not deer they until were, a couple years ago. They were called gaunt deer. Yeah. <laughs> no, they weren't. So, like, this this thing has been around for a long time. But not deer is a, a new name for it, so okay. that made it a little harder to find stuff. But is it is there it. a name from before, or is it just like all these stories have been compiled and added to the list of not deer stories? Yes, the okay. second one. So um, this is an Appalachian legend, but sightings of not door not deer have been reported all over North America, but it's mostly in like Tennessee, West Virginia, Virginia, some Pennsylvania, that okay. kind of area. Yeah. So this is not a single creature like Mothman or the Grafton Monster or Sheep Squatch. This is a species of cryptid. There's a bunch of them. Oh, good. Like a Bigfoot? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So there's, it's not just one, one not deer roaming around all over the place. There's several. Right. So the deal with this thing is that it looks like a deer at first glance, but usually the eyes or the mouth are not quite right the longer you look at it. So that kind of reminded me of what we talked about with the Black Eyed Kids, the the phenomenon of uncanny valley, which that specifically refers to things that look human but aren't quite. They look gaunt. <laughs> you gotta quit. <laughs> Candy. <laughs> I have to like stimulate the the tick now. <laughs> so this is like the deer version of uncanny valley. You see it and you're like, oh look a deer, but then you keep looking and you're like, it's. Yeah. Is it a deer? Got like a messed up neck. Something's wrong. <gasps> oh my god! You just scared me doing that. You had your neck sideways and went. <gasps> that was terrifying. Sorry, I had I saw a video. I meant to send it to you, but there was a deer that I saw a video of a hunter posted recently. Uh-huh. A deer walking through the woods. It was missing its entire back strap, like something uh. had cut off the. Backstrap oh, meat of the awful. deer, and it was still walking around. And there, it wasn't really bleeding, but you could see like whenever it would walk because Ew. that connects to like part of the shoulder, and you could see the muscles move. 
I wish that I had never heard that. And That's you disgusting. could see like some of the organs in stop, there. Stop, chain, stop. That's enough. Was, That's okay. gross. Sorry. But it, not deer style. Take that image. Yeah. Not ew. deer. Oh, well, we're going to come back to that actually. Put okay. a pin in that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, the traits vary from what people see, but there's always something wrong with it from what a near a normal deer would look like. I keep messing up my words. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, I feel bad. I laughed earlier. You said not door. I know. <laughs> and I, I immediately thought of uh, a mimic. Do you know what like a mimic is? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a door, but you open it and it's actually a mouth and it eats you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyway. So like sometimes the thing that will be off is they'll have an elongated mouth, more like a coyote or a dog. Uh, Sometimes it's the neck that will be slightly too long. Sometimes they'll have sharp teeth. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like they don't always have all of these traits. It's like one feature will be wrong, not the way it's supposed to be. Okay. Sometimes they'll have hands or claws instead of hooves. I feel like that would be really scary to see. Uh, and they yeah, that's... they usually appear twitchy, like they're being controlled by puppet strings almost. Yeah. So it's kind of like newborn deer motions, but with an adult appearance. Okay. So yeah. like jerky, not really the way it should be moving. You know the, uh, the GIF thing you can do in iMessage? Yeah. It's an- I think it's if you look up not deer, there's actually a gif of a cartoon deer and he pulls off his hooves and has hands underneath and he wiggles ew, his fingers. Ew. I've seen it to you before, I think, but he's like pulls them off like gloves and he wiggles his gross. Um, this freaks me out. A lot of times they're reported to be double jointed or just having more joints than normal in their legs so that the legs can bend in ways that a normal deer's legs wouldn't. Gross. Uh, like flamingo legs or something? Yeah. Like- Backwards legs. Uh-huh. And this is the worst part of all. Oh, God. They make clicking noises. Oh. Huh. <laughs> like clicking sounds. Like. Yeah. Oh. Like, I guess like chittering sounds. Ew. So um, the not deer are not as afraid of people as most deer. At, at this time of year, all the deer are stupid and they don't run from you the way that they're supposed to. But like typically deer are, you know, kind of skittish. And they'll mm-hmm. run off if you scare them. Yeah. Maybe not right now. They're all running out on the road and being dumb. But <laughs> They're running on the road and then they see a bright light coming at them and they just stare. Yeah, but like, these these not deer, they, they won't run away. They'll stare you down. And so they're typically mm-hmm. larger than normal deer. They're not as big as a moose, but they have more moose-like proportions than deer-like proportions. They're bigger. They're more muscled. Um, and this is creepy. They have forward-facing eyes. Like predators do. Okay. Yeah, don't like that. No, I don't. I don't like that at all. So they are they are a predator animal. Sometimes they'll have more than two eyes. That's one another one of the features that will vary. So they might have like an extra one on their forehead or maybe four or whatever. They have been seen walking on their hind legs. Good. Awful. Awful. Hate that. And even worse, they're incredibly fast. They can get up to 30 miles per hour. Uh, I should have looked up how fast a normal deer can run. Let me. I was about to ask you how fast a normal. As soon deer. as I said that, I was like, Shane's going to want to know. Yeah. How fast I was can? Thinking of you said they walk on two legs, and I just think of like the model walk of like a deer, <laughs> like. Yeah. Oh, okay. This maybe that's not that fast because it says that white-tailed deer can <laughs> also run that fast. <laughs> My bad. 
they're extremely fast. Okay, but if they're on two legs, though, if they're on their hind legs going that fast, that's pretty quick. How fast is Usain Bolt? Fast. (laughs) (laughs) Very. (laughs) Incredibly. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Pull it together. How seriously you looked at me when you were like, Fast. The, actually, the fastest. <laughs> All right, so the good thing, though, is that they only ta- attack when they're provoked. They're not just going to come get you unless you mess right. with them. Um, but people that have tried to, like, go up to them and investigate, I guess, have been chased up trees by them. And they'll, like, paw at the trees and kind of circle around for a little bit and keep you trapped up there until they just leave. Don't like that. So you see one, don't mess with it, and you'll be fine. Um, they're usually seen on Appalachian roads when people are driving alone by themselves. So, some theories of what these not deer could be. Um, some you know skeptics say that they're just deer with birth defects that cause their heads to be misshapen or cause strange walking patterns. Other people say that if you see a not deer, it's most likely because you're just tired. You're driving at night. You're hallucinating. Um, a really, really common explanation is chronic wasting disease, also known as zombie deer syndrome, Mm -hmm. which could explain that disgusting video you were describing earlier. Yeah. Well, it, (laughs) (laughs) so this is similar to mad cow disease. Kind of what I was saying. It's caused by, um, a misfolded protein or a prion in the brain. Mm Mm-hmm. And that messes up everything. It attacks the central nervous system. It causes animals to literally waste away and die. Like, it's a horrible, horrible thing to get. Yeah. Does it say, like, I think, like, they just don't, like, when they eat, they just can't get the nutrients or they don't eat or they, like, don't really drink or... Yeah, kind of both. Like, if they do, they don't, they kind of stop eating and drinking. Um, so the first sign of chronic wasting disease is difficulty in movement. You get stumbling, you have jerking motions followed by tremors. The animals will start to have a lot of excess saliva production and increased thirst, but then they will eventually, you know, get to the point where they're wasting away, not eating, not drinking. They deer that have this disease will lose fear of humans and they'll act very confused. The wasting away begins. And legs start to kind of lose their internal tissue and become able to swing in both directions. So that could be what looks like there's multiple joints or joints where there shouldn't be because the legs are wasting away. And um, an explanation for them having multiple eyes could be just open lesions on their face where their skin and muscles are wasting away. So uh, chronic wasting disease is also credited by some skeptics for Wendigo sightings because those often have the deer skull face. But I... Don't agree with that. I think that's just created out of a misconception and just ignorance of what skinwalkers and wendigos are. People yeah. try to lump this all into the same category, and it's not. Like these are really totally different things. There might be some similarities in the descriptions, but what they are is not the same. Yeah, I think the the picture that I posted for the episode announcement today is probably a better, maybe a better representation. Because yeah. it was like a normal looking deer, but it had a messed up face and teeth. Right. So. So um, I, I was reading some stories about these. And like you said, a lot of these are on Reddit or TikTok because the older ones were just passed down orally and told to family and friends and shared and shared and shared. It wasn't recorded like in a history book of yeah. these strange deer in the woods. 
until pretty recently. It got very popular on Reddit, on No Sleep, of course. Um, but on some other websites and blogs and stuff, there are people that have claimed to have seen not deer and deer that have that chronic wasting disease, and they are not the same thing. People, The people that have seen both of these say that they can tell a difference because, um, unfortunately, that chronic wasting disease, I think, has become pretty prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been, like, warnings you know, in the Appalachian area, when you're hunting, you have to be really careful of the deer that you harvest and eat because it could make you sick if you eat meat that has this disease. Yeah. So like that, that definitely is a real issue, but, um, and maybe it could explain some of the sightings, but that chronic wasting disease hasn't been around forever. And these stories go back pretty far. Yeah. So I, I would be willing to say, you know, okay, maybe sometimes when people think they see a not deer, it's just one one that's sick and it's acting weird. Right. But, but I don't think that it's always been that because it seems like there's quite a bit that is just like people seeing a deer when they're driving and something's not right with it. Right. And that chronic wasting disease would not explain some of those other traits, like having a longer neck. A neck yeah. wouldn't appear longer. It wouldn't cause there to be sharp teeth. It wouldn't cause forward-facing eyes. Like, there's a lot of other details that that theory doesn't explain. Mm-hmm. So maybe sometimes, like the weird bending joints, but not everything is explained by that, I don't think. Um, the hunting thing, because it is hunting season right now, um, at least here, the bow season just opened a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, we have rifle season coming in in November. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- you... Should, if somebody's listening to this, that either you are a hunter or your husband or boyfriend is a hunter, if have them check, because West Virginia does have specific regulations on what they want you to do with, if you notice something with chronic wasting disease. Yeah. And you should contact the DNR about if you see a deer that's not quite right, and at least have them come check it out now. Maybe it doesn't get reported because a lot of people around here don't have hunting licenses. But, oh, gosh. But if you're not a poacher, contact the DNR and yeah. have them look at it. Because it, I believe it can actually spread throughout an entire population of yeah, deer. Yeah, it's, it's really a, a big problem. Yeah. It's scary stuff. Uh, so if that happens, because uh, hunters are, hunters love wildlife. I yeah. Mean, like, they... Kill for food, but also it's part of it is population control. Part yeah. of it is being out in nature. Part of it, you know, there's a lot of good-natured stuff about it, um, and so they don't want to see the entire population of you know white-tailed deer completely decimated by some disease that could have been prevented if the DNR was able to come in and study. Yeah, for sure. And do this so. PSA: Just Be careful. Keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. Watch out for the not deer. Watch out for the not deer, literally. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, trying to um, figure out some of these stories between what might be a not deer, what might just be this. There's a lot of similarities. Uh, There was one specific one I read that stuck with me because it was just gruesome. And this one was probably a deer that had this disease. So I'm going to give you the quick version of that. Okay. Uh, Heads up to our Listeners, this is disgusting and upsetting, so if you don't want to hear it, fast forward at like a minute and a half. I'm glad you gave the warning instead of 
Like just the, what I, you hit me with. I just said, no, yeah, it's missing its backstrap. You can see everything. Okay, what I'm about to say is pretty upsetting. Fast forward if you don't want to hear it. So one of the stories I came across, and I had actually seen this in several places. I remember reading about it a few years ago when I was reading about uh, Nadir. So this person and their grandpa were out hunting and, you know, they're in the woods and they see a deer acting weird by a river, I believe. I could be butchering this, but you can find it if you Google it. Um, and the deer starts acting weird and it walks over to a rock and starts smashing its head against the rock until it's like head cracks open and parts of its brains come out and it starts like licking its brains off of the rock. What the hell? And it walks completely into the river and dies. Oh my God. Yeah. And so they left the woods that day. I mean, yeah. That would be like the scariest thing ever to see. Now, I think that was probably that chronic wasting disease just because it totally messes up their whole brains and nervous systems and makes them act crazy. That doesn't really sound like a not dear to me because they usually, you know, walk away um, or the person yeah. drives away. But there's there's stories like that of just deer acting totally weird. Like some of them are going to be not dear. Some of them are going to be because of this disease. Yeah. It's kind of hard to differentiate between okay. the two. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but it seems like something with chronic wasting disease would just be a it acts like a deer that's all messed up. Yeah. And a not deer would seem intelligent. Oh, yeah. And I actually had written that in my notes and accidentally skipped that. So the people that come in contact with the not deer, they have those forward-facing eyes. So it's almost like they make eye contact with you. And um, the reports say that they do feel like there is higher intelligence there. Like there's... um the deer know what's going on. They understand almost in the situation, like you're human, I'm something else and you need to keep your distance from me. We can just go our separate ways here, but if you come over, then there's going to be problems. Like yeah. People kind of feel like, okay, something like with the black eyed kids, there's something wrong here. I need to get away from this. And there's some ideas that the not deer are some sort of shape shifting thing, not, a skinwalker or a wendigo, but maybe yeah. something else. And that's why there's always a trait that's a little bit off because whenever what this thing is shapeshifts into the not deer, it's not a deer. So it can't get it completely right. Yeah. So the neck will be too long. The the mouth will be too long. The legs will bend weird. Something yeah. is wrong. I guess people will just lump it in because of the similarity on like Yeah, there's a few there's some stuff in common. A skinwalker or a wendigo could shapeshift. Um and so can these, so that means they must be related. related yeah. Um, I guess it could just be like a, your classical style shapeshifter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. It feels weird describing it that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the I guess you would notice like a higher intelligence because like deer, I don't know how much people have like actually been out like around deer like in the woods. Yeah. But like. You know, like you make a sound and then they just stop. They, yeah, they freak out. They're scared. They're skittish. So, like, the, they only have two responses: either it's literally stop, f- freeze, or flight. <laughs> or and like look, and they'll look, and they think that like if if they just stop, you can't see them. Right. And, and you can tell that the deer is like afraid of you. Yeah. But with these not deer, they're not afraid of you. Yeah. You're afraid of them. So they kind of have that upper hand in the situation. I definitely am. 
Yeah, I'm afraid of them too. Mm-hmm. So um, they're, they've been in the media a little bit. You've mentioned this before, that that trading card game from MetaZoo, Cryptid Nation. Mm-hmm. So the Nadir have a card in that game. Good. They were also possibly in an Adventure Time episode. Did you ever watch Adventure Time? Maybe. The cartoon? I used to. Uh, the episode was called No One Can Hear You. So I don't remember seeing that episode, but there's something in that that could be interpreted as a not deer. Okay. Now, um, I don't think that I personally have ever seen one of these, but I do have family members that have. Um, and these, I mean, I believe them, obviously. And these family members aren't the type to just make up a story. So my husband, Dirk, saw one coming home from work one night. He works late, so he's usually driving home, you know, when it's dark. And he saw a deer on the side of the road one day, who's the, and the neck was immediately too long. What? Uh, I just looked it up, the No One Can Hear You episode. Yeah. That's the gif of oh, the is deer, it? and he pulls his me? paws off, and okay, he wiggles yeah. his fingers. So that's from Adventure Time. So everyone go look up Adventure Time, No One Can Hear You, and there's a gif. That's funny. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I no, that's okay. Like the, that's good. That's what I just mentioned. Yeah. So like I was saying, Dirk saw one one night and that kind of freaks me out because that was really close to our house that yeah. he saw it. I'll tell you exactly where it was when we are done with this episode. Okay. I don't want to like give my address away. Yeah. Drop the GPS coordinates <laughs> in the podcast. But it was really close. And so he like, we were on the phone because he usually calls me when he's coming home. And so we were just talking and he was like, oh my gosh, like what? Because I, I was afraid he got a wreck or something and he said i just saw a deer with the longest neck ever and i was like stop stop immediately no we're not talking about it like that's terrifying and so he was describing it a little more when he got home and i mean like we've lived in west virginia our entire lives that he knows what a deer looks like you know yeah there's no mistaking it so if he says that its neck was weirdly long i don't have any reason to doubt that at all now my, also, my sister Riley had a terrifying experience with what might have been a not deer. I don't really know, honestly. Like her, this story is insane. I don't know what she saw. Listeners are going to have to listen and decide for themselves. But it's it's freaky. So we have a recording of her telling her story, and we're going to insert that into the podcast now. Okay. So one time I was coming down this kind of like backwoods, curvy mountain road. I'd been on this road before, and I never have cell phone service. And it's a pretty long stretch of, like, curvy mountain to not have service, maybe, like, four minutes or so, Um, which maybe isn't that long of a time, but it's a really long time when you're scared. So I was driving down this road, and I've driven down it a thousand times, and I always get, like, a very eerie, sinister feeling when I'm on it, um, even during the day. And I've never really been able to explain it, but, like, it's scary enough that I won't even look in my rearview mirrors or anything while I'm driving down it until I'm through it. So one time I was driving down, it was night, super dark out, um, but it was clear, like, it wasn't raining or anything. But, of course, there's no street lamps or anything like that. So I'm driving, and I'm to this, like, in between the curves, there's this one straight stretch. And I'm coming on that straight stretch, and I see something in the middle of the road. And it's, like, kind of, like, crouched over. Maybe, like, it would be on all fours if it was an animal. But it didn't look right. And so I slowed down, thinking it was some sort of animal or person, maybe, because it's not, like, uncommon for somebody to be walking up and down that road. Um... And as I get a little closer, 
it stands up and it looks like a human, but its arms are too long. And that's really the only way I know how to explain it. Like, I could just tell that it was, it's like Uncanny Valley, I guess. Looked like human, but its arms were too long. And um, it had, like, horns coming out of its head. But it didn't have fur. It was, like, not skin-colored, but it would have been, it looked like it had skin. Like, it wasn't furry or fuzzy or anything like that. And um, it had, like, glowing green eyes, but not in the sense of, like, super bright flashlight green eyes. They were, like, dull, so they weren't... They weren't, like, super bright, I guess, but I could tell they were green. Um, and it starts kind of, like, convulsing, I guess. Like, twitching back and forth super violently. Um, and so when I realized, as soon as it stood up and I realized its arms were too long, like, it looked like a human, but it wasn't, I sped up because that was the only thing I could do. So I slowed down when I first saw it because I thought I was going to hit something. And then I was like, well, I'm going to hit it or die, so I'm just going to try to hit it. So I sped way up, and it disappeared. And that sounds like it was a really long time, but really the whole thing was probably like four seconds. Um, but it was terrifying. I truly felt like the most horrible feeling. I felt so sick and nauseous. Um, I was just terrified. So I like fly down the road until I get back to service and I immediately call Hannah and I just like freak out telling her what happened. Um, and it was terrifying. I will not drive that road at night anymore. I very rarely drive it in the daytime, but never again at night. It was super scary. And now we're back. All right. So that was my youngest sister Riley's story. That's insane. I mean, do you remember the night that she saw that and she called both of us and told us? Yeah, because you... That so was terrifying. That night you called me and you were you were like, you'll never guess what Riley saw. like, you have to get in this call with us. And I was like, that's a not deer. Yeah, and, and we said, hadn't what heard the heck of is it. That? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, look it up. It's look up Appalachian not deer and look at yeah. the pictures and then tell her. And so then I got another call and it was you. And you're like, I'm trying to connect Riley into this. Yeah, so because like you need to hear happened. it from her mouth. And I mean, Riley, again, like I was saying, just like Dirk has absolutely no reason to ever make up anything like that. Like, I totally 100% believe she saw what she saw. <laughs> and I mean, you were on the phone call with her, she was freaked out. Like yeah, you could tell me. she was very sincere and very scared about what had happened. So I, I mean, I definitely believe that. And she, when she got home that night, she drew a picture of what she had seen to mm-hmm. try to help explain it a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to go back and find that picture. And if she's okay with it, we can add it to the photo dump. I want to ask her first. She might not want that posted, yeah. but it, <laughs> it is alarming. Like when she texted that to me, my blood ran cold. Right. It's so scary. So, there, I mean, there's absolutely something out there. I believe her story 100%. Others might not because they don't know her. That's totally fine. Like, I mean, I read these stories on Reddit and I'm like, okay, that's made up. That's not true. Yeah. But the person that wrote it, it might have been. But, uh, you know, as a sister, I totally believe what she saw. It freaks me out. I think it's scary. There, yeah. there is stuff out there. So, that, I mean, that's pretty wild. Also, not like she's... It's not like every week she's texting us about some kind of like no, like crazy that was thing. a rare. Occurrence. It was like, like I don't, I don't think that we had really, other than like every once in a while we'll send back and forth like a couple of memes on Instagram and then like not talk for a few months, <laughs> yeah, and like do it again. 
hadn't really talked to her for years. Yeah. And then this thing happened. Right. Yeah. So. And and it, like in that moment on that phone call, you could just tell how sincere and real that was. Yeah, you could tell she was very shaken up. Yeah, and so. I would have been for sure too. Yep. Yeah. So so that's that's the not deer. Not yeah. a Wendigo, not a skinwalker. It's something else. Looks like a deer, but something's off about it. Some kind of shape-shifting thing. Quacks like a deer. <laughs> quacks yeah. like a deer. Yeah, walks like a deer, quacks like a deer. That's it hilarious. Not deer. So. Yeah. Do you have um, anything else you want to add about that? Not, not really. Um, other than just like the, I don't know, people from West Virginia know what deer look like. Without a doubt. I mean, you like see them literally everywhere, every day, all year long. They're in people's yards. They're. I saw three driving home from work. Yeah. Like they're all over the place. Um, you drive on the interstate during this time of year. They're all over the interstate. Dead ones everywhere. People hit them all the time. Mm-hmm. Like West Virginia. I think West Virginia is one of the top states for white-tailed deer collisions with a car. I believe it. Like, I think that's. They're all the, over the place. But the. So people know what they are. Yeah. Like, and I don't, I mean, I Very don't know. Very confidently what, know what they look like. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's just a part of like, I don't know. It's just. It's like knowing what a tree looks like. Yeah. They're so like, common. It's like seeing a bird. Like, mm-hmm. I know, hey, guess what? I know what a bluebird looks like. I know what a chicken looks like. I know what a white-tailed deer looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, if if people want to explain it away as, oh, it was night. They were driving. They were tired. Their eyes played tricks on them. That's fine. But yeah. I, I believe if someone from around here says they saw a deer and something was wrong with it, yeah. I trust that. Um, but the the two things I will say is that, like, we we all know what deer l- like look like and act like for the most part. Yeah. I don't know how many people like really spend a lot of time like in the woods where deer are kind of in their I guess like more natural habitat. Yeah. And like how they act there like just like walking through and they hear a twig snap or like hear you shift on your your deer blind or something and they would just like run away cuz there's something there that isn't supposed to be there. Or they'll just stop and look around. Um, but then also, like, the not deer, it seems like there's something more intelligent there. But yeah. mm-hmm. the other thing is, as far as, like, knowing what they look like, um, have you ever seen a deer when they're shedding the velvet? Yeah, it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. So I think there it's a possibility that maybe... Maybe there's people who don't who don't necessarily see all the time the velvet coming off. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because and for this is going to be like an odd kind of explanation, but for people who don't know, um, all deer, all male deer, all bucks m- lose their antlers um, in like the first part of the year, and so um, then nothing has antlers. And then sometime around the part of, like, halfway through, they start growing antlers again. And they'll have uh, velvet on them is what it's called. But it's, like, mm-hmm. kind of like skin. And it's it feels, like, kind of velvety. And yeah. so, but it's got, uh, like, blood flow to it. There's capillaries mm-hmm. and stuff all in there. And the bones that the antlers are made out of is real soft. And they're tender. And then when they go through the rut... 
you'll see like they'll scrape on trees and stuff and it's them like rubbing their antlers on stuff because the velvet is coming off. Yeah. And so at a certain point, the capillaries and the blood flow comes out of that, out of that velvet and the skin falls off. And so it's hanging there like all nasty yeah, looking. That's gross. <laughs> and and so it's like red. They have to rub on stuff to get it off. And so yeah. they will be like red or pink or brown. And it's just kind of, if you're not used to seeing that, especially on like a big buck, like yeah. if they have like a really big spread on them, then they'll, it'll just hang there and like, yeah. it's just bad. So, and then they'll lose all their velvet mm-hmm. and then they'll have normal antlers like people are used to seeing. Yeah. But, um, then, like I said, they'll first of the year, they'll lose their antlers again and then start to regrow new ones. But there's actually a thing that people call shed hunting. So when they shed their antlers, people will put out traps of like wire and like chicken wire and stuff out in like, their barns or like certain trees and stuff and the deer will come over and they'll rub their antlers and stuff against all this stuff and their antlers will fall off Mm -hmm. and the people call it shed hunting because you're just waiting for a deer to come by and shed their antlers and you go out and look for them well they have since outlawed at least in west virginia probably everywhere else setting traps for this stuff right because if a deer's not ready to shed its antlers, it'll get caught and oh. it'll just starve and die. Oh, that's sad. So very sad. Yeah. So kind of like what I was saying earlier, I definitely think there's instances where people might see a deer like that that's in the shed or one that has that disease and it's acting weird and call that a not deer. But I don't think every case can be explained by those theories. Yeah. Just because there's too many variabilities. Right. And like the forward facing eyes thing, like I can't get over that. That's no. strange. I saw a couple of drawings of that, like the deer with eyes on the front. It is unsettling. <laughs> yeah. It it definitely, well, so again, like Uncanny Valley, like you mentioned, it's like. That's not quite right. Something's off. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. So. You're like, what's wrong with that thing? Which, I th- I don't know how far that extends, but like I said, like if you're not used to seeing a deer while it's shedding its velvet maybe you would maybe you would get a little bit of uncanny value on you because it's you know what i'm saying it's yeah it looks like a deer but i'm not used to seeing a deer like that so how could it possibly be a deer um but i think people around here and most of appalachia are used to seeing deer by now i don't yeah in all stages of life (laughs) i don't think it's a it's an issue really for most people who have grown up around here to identify one of those animals no like i mean uh, i don't know you just i mean like even little kids around here know they can yeah they can tell like what type of deer that is how old it is boy girl like people like everybody just knows it's part of life here so you could also tell if something's not right (laughs) Well, no, I mean, they're everywhere. And also, we have a huge hunting mm-hmm. culture here. Yeah. And so, I mean, 50% of the houses you go in, they have a taxidermy head. Yeah, it's like learning your ABCs. Then yeah. you learn also about deer. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of... You learn all of the animals that you are allowed to kill. So, squirrels... And what time of year and how you can do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, like, you learn, like, here's a squir- squirrel. And you kill it with these weapons and... This is what you can do with it afterwards. Yeah. This is a deer and you kill it with this weapon and 
you know, here we're going to trap like raccoons and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to kill coyotes. And I mean, even coyote hunting is a big deal. And coyotes are mentioned in like the skinwalker stuff. People see weird stuff yeah, at night with animals all the time. So, yeah. Also, now that I mentioned it, and this is the last thing, and then we're going to sign off, but um, unless you have something else you want to say. I but, just want to talk about Bridge Day really fast. Oh, okay. Um, the, so the, the last thing about this stuff, I think also some of it could be that people are used to seeing stuff in like a documentary context. Yeah. Like the, this is planet earth and this is what animals do and this is what they look like. Yeah. And then they see something totally crazy in the woods, an animal doing, and they're like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. It just so happens to be what an animal does. You've just never seen it put into a documentary before. Like, yeah. I get that sometimes where, like, I'll see something. I'm like, I didn't know that, that could do that. <laughs> possums act like this because it's not. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, anyway, Bridge Day. So, Bridge Day. Um, for anyone that is not familiar with Bridge Day, it is a, this big event that happens in West Virginia every year. Uh, they did have to cancel it for two years, like during COVID time, but it came back last year and it was back this year and it's bigger and better than ever. It gets bigger every single year. So what happens on Bridge Day is in Fayetteville, West Virginia, they closed down the New River Gorge Bridge to traffic and they open it up to pedestrians. So that's like the highest single arch bridge around other than that one in China. Is that correct? There... I think it's like third or fourth now. I think they built two in China. Oh, that's kind of lame, but <laughs> anyway. And I think it was the longest. I think it's still... Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm the not longest. sure if... I think it's a different number for the highest, but it's like one of the highest the longest bridges. longest single arch or something. Yeah. I think it's the highest in West Virginia. Yeah. And I think it's single arch span bridge. I mean, I think it's the yeah. highest and longest in America. I'm pretty sure. And I think they built two in China. It's it's um, these are important statistics, Hannah. We have to beat the Chinese no, and build another on, one. Regardless, it's it spans the New River Gorge, which just got upgraded to a national park, and it yeah. is absolutely gorgeous. Especially because they always do it in October. Um, the leaves have changed, which is beautiful in West Virginia. You can't beat it. So it's so pretty, and you get to walk across the bridge. And there's tons of vendors that set up and sell all kinds of stuff. It's really neat. And people base jump off the bridge and parachute down into the gorge. So some they have like a little landing zone set up and people try to land on a bullseye, but a lot of people land in the water and they have boats that'll come over and get them. And then people also rappel down off the bridge. Um, someone told me they used to do a zip line, but I don't think they do that anymore off the bridge, but they have the base jumping the par- with the parachutes. They're rappelling, and it is so cool. And they have a catapult that people can get in, so you can either just jump off the platform, or you can get in the catapult, and they literally launch these people off, and it is crazy. Um, Obviously, uh, super dangerous, because there's not a lot of room for error with this base jump. Normally, people jump off a lot higher things, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to pull your chute pretty quickly, and some people don't, so it gets kind of scary. There are injuries every now and then, but in order to jump, you have to be, you have to qualify. Like yeah. you have to have so many jumps. You can't just wake up one day and decide you're jumping off the New River Gorge right. Bridge. Like you have to know what you're doing. Do they still, but it's really cool. And it was a lot of fun. And my family came in and we went and had a great time. Do they still do the bungee jumping off the bridge? No, I don't think they do that anymore. They have the rappelling and yeah. the base jumping. When I was a kid, I remember they used to do the bungee jumping and they would have like five 
stations or whatever yeah. set up where people would, and they would just fall. I yeah. Think. That was like a more of a Wild West time, I think. I think you had yeah, to like sign a waiver and they're just mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. Here's a harness. I We're think anybody could probably zip line if they wanted to. Now, it is insanely crowded because it's become such a popular event. So that is a little stressful if you're not a big fan of crowds of people. Um, it's gotten insane. But to go and do it once, I think, is worth it because the view is beautiful. And like, how often do you get a walk on a bridge like that with? traffic shut down and Fayetteville is just really cool so they have different places you can park and ride a shuttle over to the bridge uh last year Riley and I were unfortunate (laughs) we did not get into one of the shuttle places and we had to walk really really far but again where it's in the fall it was a beautiful walk and we enjoyed it even though it took us quite a while this year we got on a shuttle so it was really nice and they've reopened Secret Sandwich Society in Fayetteville and they have pies and pints there and lots of little shops and it was just it was really fun and a really nice day to be outside so if you're looking for something to do next October, check out Bridge Day in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Yeah. Um, I neat. actually, I'm not going to say what I do, but, um, which is going to make it sound super mysterious. And it's not, <laughs> but, um, I know a lot of cops because mm-hmm. of my job. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, one of them is state trooper in West Virginia. And he was talking to, he came in, uh, last week at work and was like, um, yeah, I gotta I gotta work Bridge Day, and he's had yeah. to work it like every single year since he started as a state trooper. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, yeah, so and he's part of the their like special response uh, team yeah. that they have, and so like his job is basically like if there's any terrorists, yeah, so you're safe. I mean, security is pretty intense there for obvious reasons. You're yeah. on a bridge, you do have to go through um, metal detectors and you can't take bags unless they're really small or if they're clear. Uh, So, I mean, and, and security has gotten more intense as the years have gone on. Like I remember going as a kid, there was, you just walked on, you took your backpacks, like everybody's doing whatever they want. Last year I was able to take a bag that wasn't clear. I still had to go through the metal detector Mm -hmm. this year. It had to be clear bag or small. So it seems like every year they add a little more, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, it it wasn't like we had to wait super long to get through the security line or anything. It moved quickly. Have you ever walked or hiked uh, the Long Point Trail? Yeah, and when you get out yeah. to that rock, you can see the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. you can see the bridge far, far off. Uh-huh. So it's so pretty. Um, we could see that rock where we yeah. were standing on the bridge. Yeah, and see where that trail comes out. So that's yeah, another. So, Fayetteville is cool. There's a lot to do there. Um, it's actually not a long walk, so even if you're not like a no. hiker, then you can still do it. It's, it's very uh, doable. I think it's like a mile and a half, mile and a and quarter. And it's not like strenuous or super no, steep or anything. It's I, you don't even really. I think halfway is like flat pretty much. Yeah. And then it's a pretty, there's walk. a little bit of a grade. It's not really super steep. And the payoff is amazing. You come yeah. out to this overlook, basically the trees open up and you're standing over the gorge and you can yeah. see the bridge across from you. It's beautiful. I, so I have a story to tell. Okay. Um, about hiking. So, uh, me and, Melinda have gone a lot of places to like photograph like waterfalls and stuff. Mm -hmm. And usually there's like a hike or there's like a drive. Like whenever I had my Jeep, we could go on some trail somewhere and then it takes you out somewhere. And it's like, this is like a hidden thing that only we can get to like certain people can get here. You have, and you have to put in work to get there. But we went to, so I'll preface this by saying like we've, we went to all kinds of those kind of waterfalls. Like they're hidden. You have to find them, have to go on some trail either like with the Jeep or hike it. Um, 
we went to this place. I can't remember the name of it, but there's three waterfalls and they're tall. They're like the tallest waterfalls in West Virginia. And you go down these steps and she's like, are you sure you want to go down all these steps? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And she's like, you're going to have to walk <laughs> all the way back up. Yeah. And it's like a thousand steps or something. It was, I was dead by the end of it. And it was July and it was 90 degrees. Oh no. And this is before, like before I had started losing weight. Yeah. So I was, I was not as super good looking as I am now. <laughs> I was like 300 pounds and it was just not a good time. So, and everybody was like, wow, you did it. And I was like, oh yeah, uh-huh. So cool. So that was good. We went to uh, see the grist mill and she still picks on me to this day because I said there was no pizzazz. Oh my gosh. Have you ever been to the grist mill? I don't think so. When you, you go to the grist mill, I was under the impression it was going to be like everything else. We went to, we went to Hawk's Nest. We had to hike a little ways, not like, not hugely, but we had to hike a little ways to get down to the bottom where you could photograph from a lower angle of the waterfalls. <sighs> we, <laughs> we show up to the grist mill. Pull in the parking lot. And I'm like, okay, how far is our hike? And she's like, we're here. And I was like, are you serious? And I look over and there's a little shack thing with a wheel on it. And I'm like, is that it? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, you can see it from the parking lot. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, we're here. This is what people come all around to do. And I was like, where's the pizzazz? Kind of sounds like maybe you were just being grumpy. No, I'm not grumpy. <laughs> I'm not known to be grumpy. <laughs> right. But so we photograph this thing and then, and it's cool. It's whatever. But you just pull in the parking lot and it's there. Yeah, maybe some people want to see it and they can't really hike and they still get to see it. That's cool. They can see photographs. <laughs> I'm just, so long point is has the pizzazz. Yeah, it, it really does. It's, it's not a, it's not a hard hike. And you just, you get there and it's, it's and good. It, you come up the little hill there at the end and it's, oh, there it is. And there's the bridge and you can see it. It's mm -hmm. right. Perfectly angled, like evidence of like God's creation that he made the rock that faces the, <laughs> the bridge. <Yeah. laughs> um, also another thing was we had gone to channels. I don't remember if we talked about this on the podcast after we, after we had gone to channels, but it was. I know we talked about it, but I don't remember if it was on here or not. <laughs> so we went to the channels in Virginia and uh, it's so basically like, I guess there was all this ice and stuff from like, a, you know, there was water covering these mountains a long time ago and the, the ice had got into it. It froze and made cracks in the rocks. And so there's these huge like pathways that you can walk through these rocks and it makes kind of like a maze. But it's like a... That sounds really cool. It's like a three-mile hike up a hill, up a mountain. And so we started. We got like a mile in, and I was like, this isn't that bad. And then we got two miles in, and I was like, this is getting pretty bad. And then we got three miles in, and it's like, man, this is... I'm really having a hard time. Oh. And it was straight up the whole time. It was like uphill. There, there's not really any flat 
too many flat spots to really rest that that you can kind of keep going on and it's not as hard mm -hmm. so um and there's actually like a 14 mile round trip that goes to a different place um but if you go to the channels that's super cool and you can walk around in it and stuff it's cool that has pizzazz yeah we're all about the pizzazz here on country wrist mill no pizzazz zero <laughs> zero out of one stars Let's wrap this episode up. Be safe, drawing home. Watch out for the Indigos. And the Skinwalkers. And the regular deer. <laughs> yeah, for real. And, you know, keep an eye out for the not deer also. Bye. <laughs> Bye. How long was that?